what's happening guys it's your girl Minna welcome back to Le Carrington the Manchester United women's podcast solely focused on covering the Red Devils up north now Manchester United finally got a win in the 2024 calendar year and that came as a result against Aston Villa who are also at the heart of a scandal in the Conti Cup that could also impact Manchester United's opportunity to get through in the competition. We're going to touch on that today. We're going to talk about both the Aston Villa game and the Manchester City result unfortunately that saw a defeat at the hands of Manchester rivals and we're going to talk about what exactly happened so differently. We're going to talk a little bit about Nikita Paris and we're going to talk about the transfer window. I know that's a hot topic right now as the transfer deadline day approaches in the next few days. So we're going to talk about that and realistically what United could do. Now in the 2-1 victory over Aston Villa, Manchester United started with a very familiar front line. However, the biggest shock for me was Lisa Nelson not only getting a start in the WSL but getting a full 90 under her minutes after a very impressive Conti Cup uh, appearance midweek where she played with Irene Guerrero. Manchester United started with the usual backline of Mary Earps, Jade Riviere, Maya Letizia, Millie Turner and Hannah Blundell. Now in the midfield it was Lisa Nelson with captain Katie Zellem. It was Jacey Elatoon, Lucia Garcia and Nikita Paris playing through the nine who went and got her, her 13th goal of the season and also two this season. I saw a very interesting stat as well that Four times in her career, Nikita Paris has been subbed off as she's nearly on a hat trick. Unfortunately, I definitely think she could have got one. She had a chance yesterday as well, through on goal. Great save by Van Domsler. But I do think the result was quite flattering on Aston Villa, especially in the first half. In the first half, I feel like Manchester United did go up 2-0. Easily could have had a bit more. JC had a chance on goal. Nikita Paris had a chance on goal. Um, Lucia Garcia could have scored, but of course, the rebound fell to Nikita Paris, who made it 2 And I felt like the first half was definitely the better one out of the two performances in comparison to the second half, where the team just looked lethargic. They looked a lot less likely to press. They also looked a lot less likely to not only press, but press in their clusters, which is what they were doing very well in the first half. It forced Aston Villa to try and play out from the back. And at times they just had to go back to the goalkeeper and play a ball long for me. Aston Villa's player of the game was Kenza Darley because everything that they were trying to build up was going through her. Another, it's, it's not so a Darley, but a Daly, who was absolutely not a threat. And the only threat I think she caused for Manchester United is her penalty. And we're going to come on to that as well because I don't think it was a penalty. I'm sure a lot of you might share a similar sentiment, but it's more so about the level of officiating in the WSL when it comes to Manchester United games because it seems like a Manchester United player has to absolutely get clattered in the box for Manchester United to get a penalty. Or if it's on the other side, Manchester United could just blow on a player, literally blow air on a player. And if that player falls, that is a penalty. And I really think the level of officiating against Manchester United sometimes in the WSL is quite unfair. I'm, I, I'm, let me know what you lot's thoughts are regarding that. If you share a similar sentiment about that, I just think that yesterday that Rachel Daly penalty would would never have been a penalty. It should never have been a penalty. Not in a million years, not in yesterday's game, not any time in any competition. Just because I feel like there was barely any contact on her. Lucia Garcia, she actually got away from Garcia and then somehow tripped over something. I don't know what she tripped over and it was very minimal touch. But I feel like the referee was watching them prior to the corner being taken and was seeing a little pushing and shoving going around that that was evident. And unfortunately, 
a villa were able to uh, get one back but mary epps was only tested a few times in the second half it was very much a game where manchester united did dominate throughout most of it but as the game kind of progressed especially in the second half where i feel like the performance dropped off a little bit is when the substitutions came on um of course starting with rachel williams came rachel williams was the first one to come on alongside leo golton and then followed by irene guerrero and melvin mallard who came on and it was just i guess some fresh legs in the press and the press did chat the press did kind of wake up at that point because you know at that point jace lucia garcia um ella toon i think can i just say about ella toon i think she's playing much better this season i think she's playing obviously she's got her goals she's got her assists congratulations to ella toon uh for making her 100 uh 150th appearance for manchester united also congratulations to maya letizier for making her 50th appearance for the season uh for, for the club sorry um which is a great hopefully there's 50 more to come and many more after that as well and same for ella toon but i do feel like this year ella toon is playing without a lot of weight on her shoulders and I'm not sure why that is she definitely looks different last season maybe because the the, I guess the creativity is kind of spread across the front line this year you know JC is able to create chances Lucia Garcia can uh, Mallard can Nikita Paris can uh, Lisa Nolson can so I feel like there's a lot of weight off Ella Toon's shoulders where she's just going out and playing and I think especially in the City game uh, midweek again in the Conti Cup I feel like that was a great performance even uh, against Aston Villa I was shocked that she actually came off I'd, I wouldn't have taken her off personally but uh, to me I, I just felt like she was playing better she might not have been assisting but she was definitely doing the dirty work that was needed to be done in that midfield and sometimes that's all you need that's the things that you don't see on the score sheet that's not an assist that's not a goal but it's definitely the stuff that lead to those chances being created and I think she was doing it so much better is it was quite shocking for for her to come off just a quick one on Aston Villa as well Carla Ward said after the game that she felt that they should have walked away with at least a point. That would have been fair. I don't think that would have been fair because I don't think that Aston Villa really tested Manchester United much throughout the game. I mean, they had eight shots and only three on target, whereas Manchester United had 17 shots and they had 10 on target. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that Aston Villa actually dominated possession with a similar number of passes and passing accuracy. But of course, they were playing a bit more they were playing a bit more I wouldn't say dirty but they were committing a lot more fouls at first throughout the first half I felt like the ref was giving all the calls to Villa but as the game progressed and you know Alicia Lehman for example had to come off at half time because she got booked uh Jade Riviere shout out to Jade Riviere I gave her her flowers on the last episode if you follow me on socials you know I always give her her flowers but one thing I like about Jade Riviere is that she holds her own no matter who she's coming up against no matter who the winger is she will hold her own yesterday she came up against two different wingers throughout the game she came up against um Alicia Lehman in 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 the first half and then she obviously got taken off and then she came up against former Manchester United player Kirsty Hansen in the second half again managed to hold her own big up to Jade Riviere she will be a big miss um when Manchester United when she departs Manchester United sorry for the gold cup with Canada if she does get a call up she will be a huge miss and this actually leads me perfectly to the next segue because Manchester United have not made any moves in the January transfer as of recording nothing's been happening in the January transfer is two days left until the window closes the the window closes on the 31st on Wednesday and of course Manchester United are very spread thin especially in that back line and the perfect example for me is the Conti Cup game against Manchester City where Jade Rivier was not available due to like a previous knock that she picked up in the week and I guess it was just precaution 
Now, Manchester United played Hannah Blondell at right back instead and Gemma Evans at left back. And Gemma Evans was on toast the entire night against Chloe Kelly. Chloe Kelly ran riot. Chloe Kelly is a phenomenal player and, you know, I enjoy watching her. But it was a very difficult watch to watch her coming up against Gemma Evans 1v1 where she got a goal and she got an assist and everything that City were creating was from that side because it was easy for, in isolation for Chloe Kelly to come up against Gemma Evans. Gemma Evans when I've seen her as a centre-back I think she plays very comfortably as a centre-back but as a left-back I don't think she plays there and we know that that's not her strength so my biggest worry is is that Manchester United continue throughout the season with the same back line in all competitions in the WSL in the FA Cup in the Conti Cup if they progress which is a big if but Manchester United already Maya Letizia uh, Millie Turner and Mary Earps have played the most minutes in the season altogether um, in the WSL so far uh, Maya Letizia and Millie Turner have played predominantly throughout the Conti Cup as well and as well as the FA Cup uh, Hannah Blundell too they have not gotten any rest they probably won't get any rest simply because Manchester United have not made any moves in the transfer window and of course they brought two defenders in the summer transfer window in Gabby George and Gemma Evans obviously Gabby George is recovering from her ACL if uh, if Mannion should be back hopefully I'm thinking in the next couple months um, I guess I'm, I'm hoping so the manager hasn't really indicated when she will be back but she could hopefully be back in the next month or two and obviously Gemma Evans was another player that Manchester United brought in the summer transfer window who they've already tried to play her at fullback if if they have to play her there again, I think it'll be a difficult watch. I might, I would rather see the likes of Hayley Ladd or Leah Golton play in there. Let me know what you guys think. I think Gemma Evans is a perfect rotation player for the centre-back position. I think she's a, she's, she's shown us throughout the competition that she could play at centre-back. But sometimes, some not all players can play at left-back. And unfortunately, when you come up against such quality wingers, they will just have you on toast the entire night. And that's pretty much what we saw. Will Manchester United make moves? Um, in the January transfer window, I don't think they'll go out and buy people. The manager has reiterated multiple times in press conferences, post-match, pre-match, etc. That they need to go out and invest and they need to bring players in and they need to strengthen the squad. I don't know if Manchester United, people always message me saying, hey, do you have any transfer news? I don't know anything because I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen simply because... The change in ownership and, you know, the, the new ownership coming in, I think they could be reluctant to spend in the January transfer window. And this also applies to the men's team because they're still pretty much assessing the situation. And obviously, if you don't know, Ineos have come in to take over 25% in Sir Jim Ratcliffe. But the Premier League will not approve that or the FA will not approve that until probably February time. So right now, they're just doing their uh, due, due diligence where they are looking at what is available, looking at what what they could possibly do in the January in, in the summer transfer windows instead. And it's very unlikely that Manchester United will spend anything, both the men's team and the women's, men, the men's team and the women's team. And however, if they do, and this goes to both, this goes both to the men's and the women's team. I think it will likely be a loan. I don't think it will be a big signing. Uh, I don't think it will be a lot of signing, a lot of signings either. And of course, the, the the fees in women's football is completely different to men's. So you know, the biggest transfer fee that you could pay is probably one week salary of a Manchester United player. So it could possibly um, happen, but maybe so in the summer when. Ineos get the opportunity to reassess the situation of course um, the manager is out of contract at the end of the summer um, we don't know whether he will be signing another extension whether he will be departing so there's a lot for Ineos and the new ownerships to come in and assess and and that to me just makes sense as to why United won't be making many moves in the summer transfer window it's as simple as that. 
Now, in reference to the Conti Cup, if any of you guys were not aware, Manchester United, Manchester United lost to Manchester City in the Conti Cup. And to me, it's kind of funny. And the reason why I say it's funny is because Manchester United spent the entire competition thrashing teams. Um, except for Bar Liverpool, they thrashed every other team. Uh, put, I think, seven past Everton, etc. Just to end up falling short in the final game. And unfortunately, when, when things lie in the hands of others, I think is very difficult to kind of predict the outcome. Now, if you are not aware, Aston Villa uh, um, fielded an ineligible player in uh, Noel Moritz, who's played previously in the competition this season for Arsenal. I think she played three times this season in the Conti Cup for Arsenal. And as a result, obviously, that's a that's an admin mistake, but it's still a mistake. Um, and obviously, Aston Villa was playing against Sunderland. The FA have yet to make a decision as of recording there has not been any decision, so if you are listening this, listen, listening to this back uh, in the coming week, there might have been a decision by then. But the FA are yet to make a decision surrounding what the outcome will be, whether it's whether it is either a giving all three points to Sunderland or b kicking Aston Villa out of the competition. I think either way is quite difficult for Manchester United to progress in the competition unless Aston Villa is kicked out. If Sunderland is awarded the three points, then Sunderland will go through. Um, I think two other teams have already gone through as the, the, the highest losers in terms of points. And now Manchester United are just awaiting their fate. If Manchester United do go out of the Conti Cup due to this, yes, it could be at the fault of Aston Villa. We, we could blame Aston Villa for that, but we can also blame ourselves simply for falling short against Manchester City. Um, I saw comments uh, post-match by the manager saying that uh, Man United have the hardest group in the competition, uh, entire WSL group, um, but it's the same group that we have in every Conti Cup every year. The, the, the groups don't change. The groups are done by location, geographic location uh, in, in England or the U United Kingdom, etc. So the groups don't change. You always know what group you're getting in the Conti Cup. It's not like, you know, Champions League where there's a whole draw um, that's done. You know what group you're getting. So you should be able to easily prepare for it, in my opinion. Now, it would be very unfortunate if Manchester United go out of the Conti Cup because we know that the Conti Cup, in my opinion, is a, is an easy cup to win. I think it's a it's, it's an easy cup to win, especially because of, yes, there's a lot of WSL teams in it, but there's also a lot of other non-WSL teams in it. So it's pretty possible that United could have gone all the way to the final. Uh, of course, Manchester United are still in the FA Cup. Manchester United are still in the FA Cup. But, um, you know, whether they progress through that is a different question. They have Southampton coming up, but the next game after following Aston Villa, the next game is Brighton at home, and then it's the the FA Cup. Of course, all eyes will be on the Emirates as well because there's a big fixture happening there in the FA Cup as well. So that will be a, a fun weekend of FA Cup football. But is very if Manchester United do not qualify for the Conti Cup knockout stages, it will be a very unfortunate position, in my opinion, because it would have been the opportunity not just to gain morale and just you know be excited about progressing throughout a, a competition but also the chance to get maybe to a final you know and obviously in my in, in, in my opinion I think once you leave things in the hands of others so you know you lose a game so as a result you need a result at another game uh, for you to progress I feel like you've already failed at that point obviously everyone might have differing opinions to me and of course I always like to hear people's thoughts so if you are listening to the podcast be sure to tweet me uh, DM you can message me on Instagram etc with your thoughts 
about the podcast at Mina Football is M I N A Football. Um, and let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with the whole Conti Cup saga? Do you what do you think should be the outcome? Should Sunderland be awarded all three points for the game, or do you think that Aston Villa should be um, kicked out of the competition completely, which would probably allow for Manchester United to go through in the competition? And a quick shout out first and foremost to Martin Ho for progressing to the knockout rounds of the Champions League with SKA Brand. I'm so happy for him. What a phenomenal manager he is. Having a great couple of months so far at SKA Brand. And you know what? I will be rooting for them throughout the competition. I might have to go and get an SKA Brand shirt myself. But it's only right that I talk about the one and only Nikita Paris who is absolutely on fire this season first and foremost Keats is on fire your defense is terrified absolutely that should be the next chant that I hear at the Lee Sports Village and I'm so happy for her the reason I'm happy for her is because at the beginning of the season she wasn't even playing she literally was getting I remember she got a few minutes against Arsenal at the beginning of the season um obviously she hit her first hat trick in the Conti Cup against Everton and that's when she started to pick up form and she slowly progressed to get herself back in the starting position on top of that she was dropped from England didn't get any England call-up and now she's Manchester United's top goal scorer in all competitions with 13 goals the rate that she's going she could end the season with about 20 to 25 goals in in all competitions if she continues she was on a hat-trick against Aston Villa got the goal um in the City game that could have got United back into the kind of gave them momentum to kind of get into it but Nikita Paris is in, in phenomenal form this season and I'm just happy for her um I'm happy for her not only the fact that she's getting the goals and she's getting the minutes but people are finally starting to appreciate her I feel like last season she went a bit under the radar despite the fact that she scored quite a few important goals for Manchester United and of course United its front line is just ever changing you know the fact that Leah Golton was benched yesterday for Lucia Garcia it, it looked like Mark Skinner went for a much more direct front line a front line that can dribble that can run at their team uh their, their opponents sorry you know in Jace Lucia Garcia on the left running at their fullbacks and Nikita Paris always gets into the right places it doesn't matter if she's playing on the right it doesn't matter you know if she was playing through the middle this uh, against Aston Villa she always gets into the right places that you would want your striker to do so and she does that well she makes them run-ins over the uh, uh, behind the the center backs uh, it was she got caught offside a few times yesterday but she makes those runs and that's the kind of runs you want your player to make and when someone is playing in with so much confidence i don't think they should be dropped because you know you need to get especially when united need need goals if you think about it a lot of the goals in the last couple of games has been coming from nikita paris and when united need goals she's delivered time and time again this season and you know what i'm just here to give her flowers i hope she gets the england call up i know she's definitely probably hoping that she gets one um with the international break i think it's coming up at the end of february i hope she gets it into england call up because she just deserves it she's probably manchester united's best player this season and it wouldn't be so far-fetched to say that um i'd say jade riviere has been a very important player as well this season just because of I think I, I think out of that entire back line Jade Riviere has been the best defender and the reason why I say that we know what Maya Letizia can do we know what Millie Turner can do we know what Hannah Blundell can do Hannah Blundell shout out to her as well because she was getting involved in the attack so much yesterday she was playing inverted next to Katie Zellum at one point I'm sure that was an instruction just to uh, over flood the midfield because I was watching the game and there was so much space in the middle of the pitch available both teams were playing through the wings and I was thinking look at all that space Ella Toon had so much space Katie Zellum had so much space then Hannah Blundell started to occupy that midfield as well and as a result United were utilizing that and I think that was the better part of the second half uh, for Manchester United but back on Jade Riviere we know what Maya can do we know what Millie can do Jade 
didn't really get a lot of chances last season. Obviously, this season just thrown into the first team, especially got to learn under the likes of Onabatie last season. And she comes up against difficult players every time. Of course, you know, our centre-backs, they come up against difficult strikers. You know, they come up against the likes of Khadija Shaw, etc. But for me, Jade Riviere consistently has come up against wingers that will try and torment her physically. They will... One thing I've realised more and more about Jade Riviere is physically she gets dominated sometimes, but she still stands her ground and her recovery pace is so great that someone might, in an instance, get past her, which is very rare for a player to get past her. But if they do, her recovery pace will always allow her to get back and make that make that challenge and we've seen it time and time again i saw it yesterday so much um sorry i saw it a, a lot in the villa game um not only against uh, uh layman but even against you know um kirsty hansen as well she just did that so well so for me i know it's early to say who my player of the season is but just for the for the goals that she's scoring number one number two the the impact that the goals are having because these are game-changing goals that she's scoring and for the fact that she wasn't even a starting player for the manager at the beginning of the season and she's just worked hard she's done what she had to do she's worked hard kept her head down you know used used the used the motivation of not being in the first team both for the club and for country and she's used that to fuel her you know her her energy to get get her spot back and she's done exactly that when United needed goals she scored them so many times coming into the season you know whether it was on Sky whether it was on any podcast or whatever all I ever heard was about Alicia Russo's goal goal replacement who is going to replace Alicia Russo's goals and similar to last season if you if and and you know what I feel like sometimes pundits might not have watched United last season Manchester United's goals were quite spread across the front line. It wasn't just Alicia Russo. Leah Golton, I think, was the top goal scorer last year. It was kind of spread across the front line. This year is still pretty much the same. You've got, you know, Lucia Garcia got a few goals. Um, Melvin Mallard got a few goals. Rachel Williams got a few goals. And of course, Nikita Paris is covering the weight of most of the goals. So that whole time, Alicia Russo's goal replacement was sitting on the bench. She was sitting on the bench. And that makes it even more better because when Alicia Russo left, I was upset. A lot of a lot of fans were upset, inevitably, but players move on. And you know what? I will feel the same sentiment with Mary Earps. If she leaves, players move on. That's part of life. That's part of football, in it? It happens. But one thing I didn't like was the fact that I feel like her, her contributions to the goals was very overestimated by a lot of pundits. And now we're seeing, well, United are still scoring at a rate that they were scoring last year. And it's spread out across pretty much everyone who gets involved. Hayley Ladd got a few goals um, as well. Katie Zellum got a few goals. So it's spread out across everyone. But of course, Nikita Paris is carrying the burden of most of the goals. So shout out to Keats. Keats is on fire. I hope she continues. You know, Brighton, Southampton, uh, Arsenal, which is a big one uh, in February. Obviously, West Ham. There's a lot of games coming up that I think she will continue to score goals. And if United progress in the FA Cup, and maybe if they progress in the Conti Cup, then it's not too far-fetched to say that Nikita Paris could end the season with 25 goals in all competitions. As always, be sure to let me know what you thought about Manchester United's win against Aston Villa and the defeat against Manchester City in the Conti Cup. Let me know what you think the outcome of the Conti Cup will be the tribunal by the FA to decide whether uh, what happens with Aston Villa, which unfortunately directly impacts Manchester United. Let me know what you think about the transfer window. Is Manchester United making a horror mistake not going for any moves in the January transfer window? And all in all, just let me know what you think about the performances of the team 
of recent as i said i always like to hear everyone's thoughts thank you so much for listening be sure to follow me on all socials at mina football m-i-n-a football you can find me on twitter sorry x you can find me on instagram you can find me on youtube tiktok etc be sure to follow me and let me know what your thoughts are i'll be back again as always after the brighton fixture um just to kind of break that down and then again after that the southampton fixture in the fa cup Be sure to hit five stars if you're listening on Spotify or Apple. As always, much appreciated. It's your host, Minna, and this is Le Carrington, the Manchester United women's podcast solely focused on covering the Red Devils up north. I'm out. Peace.